can't believe we all just let Widow Von Ju kill a person. I mean, that was just, I mean, I'm genuinely, like, out of everybody, I mean, just from the recap, I mean, obviously that's going to be a little weird, but I was like, recap alone, like, she's walking, like, she's the only one with any fucking talent out of all of you. Oh, god damn it, son of a bitch. I, why did I do this? Why did I do this like this? Why? Okay. Sorry. Um, so, I finally figured out what I think is a solid opening bit. Alrighty. Um, Animal Crossing is less than a week away. Okay. How are you preparing? Um, well, right now I am not preparing. I am, uh, I am doing my, um, so I moved a bunch of my Pokemon over from my other games onto Shield and, um, they sort of just, just sort of get dumped into your fucking boxes. Like, all right, you sort it out, fucko. <laughs> and so I was like okay i didn't take my adderall today either so my brain was like i was like wow i really hope i can focus my brain was like oh you want focus do you and i was like well i mean not if you're gonna say it like that and then that ominous fucking tone of voice my brain was like well have i got a focus for you sailor and so now i'm organizing all of my boxes by type and then within those types by their national dex number so i also fucked up while doing that because i'm trying to complete a living dex as thoroughly as can be achieved in the context of sword and shield obviously um then forgot to carve out space for that so i have to basically move all of these boxes over which is not like the end of the world because it's actually pretty like just but it it's this whole fuck going through it and for what it's this whole fucking thing and then i gotta like fucking i mean honestly you have no one but yourselves (laughs) was that your cats i'm recording on my bed because they were both i came home from the um from the from dinner and they were both sleeping on my chair like assholes so i was like fine you know what fuck it i don't feel like fighting you i'll sleep i'll record on the bed and then they started getting mad at each other and then biting each other just like dick like dick move like i'm in charge now i'm biting you on the neck sort of thing and then they got really mad at each other and the thing is is my computer chair is not really a computer chair it's not really much of anything one of the legs is broken there's it's no kind back. Of a seat. i keep calling... it's kind of a, a seat with wheels if it's i'm being stool. generous it's a stool with wheels and one of the legs is broken um i'm really bad at spending well, money. No, I... I have really bad I have really bad purchase anxiety. And here's the thing is when I, ca- I was like, wow, this is awful. When I move out, you know what? I'll splurge. I'll buy myself a really nice desk chair when I move out. I was going to say that. And you know where you do splurge on your desk chairs? Ikea? In Animal Crossing. Talk That's to me it. about bug catching. Talk to me about the wind okay, condition. So here's the How thing. Is I mean, not in New Horizon, but when I was doing New Leaf, I played that game to win and i know what you're thinking it doesn't have a win condition but it does i mean you know you have to collect everything you have to get hold on one second i'm just kicking them out of my room if they're gonna be bitches all right both of you fuck off okay (laughs) i try try to be nice so the thing to understand about new leaf is that i played it to win because i firmly believe that animal crossing does have win conditions if you're not a fucking coward And that's about getting your top 10 choice of villagers, buying all the fashion items you want, buying all the sets of furniture you want, collecting all the bugs, collecting all the fish, collecting all the museum people, like just filling out your Animal Crossing Pokedex, basically. And I 
went insane for a few months. I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, I would play like a couple of months of Animal Crossing in a sitting. Like you do that thing where you like go and change the date. I would do that because I was not like millions of bells. Oh yeah, I had so much fucking money in the bank. I had a really good village. Um, I actually, I only. I had explained to somebody what the Tumblr villager black market was back during the peak of ACNL, which was really funny to me because I was just like, oh, I thought this was just how everybody did it. I thought it was really convenient. I got I got Meringue that way. I think I got Diana that way. I got Meringue and Diana that way. Fauna was a lucky move-in. Julian was one of my first five villagers. Anka, Anka was a lucky move-in. Um, who else did I have? I think I, I had Chrissy for a long while. I don't know if she was still in my village when I stopped playing, but I had Chrissy for a long while. I loved her. I had Muffy. Muffy was another love. Uh, Muffy was a campsite um, move-in. And Marshall was a campsite move-in. I really fucking lucked out with Marshall. Um, I was, like, having a really shitty day, actually. I remember it because I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm so, like, my day sucked. And I was having a real fucking going through it. And then I opened up ACNL and I was like, oh, my fucking God. He was in my campsite just chilling out. It was like the fuck. And I had nine villagers. It was the best. Um, I also, okay. for some context to this, this was my sophomore yes. year of college. I was really fucking yes, was. through it on a bunch yes. of other levels. Yes, you were. So, yes, you like, were. this was my escape from that. So, I definitely took it way seriouser, way seriouser, way more seriously than I should have. But I tend to do that with like simulator kind of games. Um, I'm really excited about this one in terms of being like connected. Um, I'm really hoping that I will pay for online if that means that we get to play together remotely. That would be really fucking cool. I don't know if that's a feature. That'd be amazing. The other thing is that you saw that you can't trample flowers anymore and people are like, yeah. so you want to come to my village and be a clown? Well, guess what? Yes. Um, cause I also, I mean, obviously I cultivated all of the rose hybrids, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was, I obviously, so obviously. I'm very excited, <laughs> obviously. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to that. Um, I think I like some of the new villagers. I haven't seen any, but I haven't seen everybody. I mean, like, I know it's like weird to like not want to be spoiled. Oh, I had Julian in my village too. He's like my animal crossing boyfriend. Cause he was one of my first five move-ins. So I will always have a soft spot for him. Um, but I haven't been sort of looking at all the villagers. I want to be surprised, but I saw that cat. Yeah, one. I didn't even know we had no new villagers. So I want to yeah. wait. I want to go in completely unspoiled. Yeah. Well, there's a cat villager that I just look without spoiler, but I looked at him and I'm like, there is going to be so much fucking horny fan art of you. It is unfucking believable. Oh, Holy people shit. do that. Come on. <laughs> what? People want. I mean, Duh. maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too naive. Maybe I'm trying to force it on myself. I mean, here's but I just do I go out seeking it? No. Do I sometimes follow furry blow? Oh God, no, I'm nobody's in the podcast. People are just, I'm not. Oh God, I'm not. Like, do I seek it out? Obviously, fucking not. But like, I remember that whole thing after Smash where people were like mad that people were drawing like horny Isabel fan art, which I mean, fair, but at the same time, like also. I guess I here I guess I'm just brazen. I'm way too cynical about this. I'm completely unsurprised by weird niche pornography. Um I've been on the internet sure, since I was like eight. You can't kill me. So what I mean is, is I've been doing this for a really long time. So weird porn of Animal Crossing characters is not gonna fucking phase me. I know it exists. Do I go out looking for it? Obviously not. It, do I know it's an inevitability? Fucking duh. 
Well, like, I think that's a great way to go into the episode. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's shall, shall we? Okay. Oh my god. Um, I mean, we could also, I mean, I, I don't, I was going to say, do we have the time, but we never actually abide by time that we do or don't have. If you could do like villager, like animal and personality type for some of the legends characters. Like we know that Nate Ooh. is obviously the jock. Ooh. Oh, the dumb jock. oh, okay. Sarah, so is Sarah is the Uchi, because Uchi is the big sister kind of villager. Yeah. Like they're kind of rough and tumble but they're they're also the villagers where if you get stung by bees and you went and talked to them they would like give you like sting medicine which i thought was really cute like normal 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 type villagers were basically like the cutie type villagers which also would give it to you um you have normal on the on the i mean first off i gender is bullshit but like they are divided by gender lines which honestly i think is kind of stupid but whatever you have normal uchi snooty and there's a fourth one hold on i have to pull up the mommy no but if we're gonna do this <laughs> hold on animal crossing villager personalities yeah. okay okay boy ones and, and let's just say let's just ignore gender here let's say any legends character can have whatever male has cranky jock lazy and smug and female has normal, peppy, snooty, and uchi. And that's ridiculous because Ray is absolutely peppy. Yes. And Sarah is absolutely jock. In fact, Nate yes. and Ray are peppy and Sarah is jock. Yes. Um, lazy, I feel like um, Bayrod is a lazy type villager. Bayrod um, is absolutely a lazy type villager. Like, like Should lazy, we when we say lazy, animals? chill they're the really yeah. chill fun ones they're, they're literally like, the stoner ones yeah they're calm laid back lifestyle they're chill um they're literally chill um i love the lazy villagers they're so fucking cute um like if you ever had bob bob is yes bob is, is lazy. um i had benjamin was one of my first five mm. um lucky is really fucking cute i think lucky's lazy too i love lucky yep. such a, yes he is he's such a cute little design i love him mummy dog um what was my train of thought? Jesus. Uh, but yeah, there's a lazy one that's definitely Bayrod. Um, Ava is. I feel like she's the snooty. I mean, it's the thing where it's like she's the snooty one because like she's not as like Mona's the normal type villager, but like Ava has her moments, but it's not the same. Like, it's kind of hard because personalities in Animal Crossing are like very. Well, we know that Zari 2.0 is definitely snooty. And I say that in the fondest way possible. Yes. That's the thing is it's like, listen, we're not saying this is like a bitch thing. It's just like, Mick is cranky. Because um, cranky Mick villagers. Absolutely cranky. Have, cranky villagers have their like sweet soft side. Um, is Mick an eagle or like one of the big bird ones? Uh, Mick is either an eagle or a horse. <laughs> um, um, I know oh, horses, but like just because they're like they they're just like the biggest villagers, like yeah. size wise. Um, feel like, or he could be a crocodile. Mick is definitely, definitely a crocodile. Yeah, crocodile's cool. I'm going with that. 
Um, people are going to be like, remember like, when the show wasn't wasn't furry propaganda? And I'm going to be like, that never. The show was always. We had okay. First off, that's such bullshit because I our 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 opening to our finale review for season four was us debating for 15 solid fucking minutes about how furry Robin Hood was. We came up with a scale. We came like I mean like come on. Um. I oh god. Um. Nora is definitely. Uh. Uchi. Like like Nora yeah. like Nora like. Regular Nora. Um, Wait, I don't think Mona John... is normal. I think she's peppy. Nora, yeah, Mona could be peppy. Yeah, that makes more sense. Mona's peppy, and so she's right. obviously a wolf or a cat. Something, something kind of small. She might even be like a hamster or a squirrel. I feel like that's the thing. Is I'm like, I know that she turns into a wolf, but emotionally, that is a squirrel. Um, <laughs> uh, Ray, I feel like. Oh God, Ray would have to be Ray would have to be a bird because he's allergic to fur. So he's like, do they evil. have any reptiles? Do they have any lizards? They only have crocodiles, and Mick's already a crocodile, yeah. and I don't think crocodiles. Yeah, then Ray. Ray would obviously be a bird. He'd obviously be an eagle. Yeah. Um, Shut up. Good. To get a job. God. Nate. Um. Oh God, what would Nate be? Nate would be a dog. I feel like that was too easy mode, but fair enough. Um, would Bayrod? What would Bay? I want to say Bayrod would also be some kind of bird because of the windy thing. But yes. Are, do they have any smaller birds? Uh, I have penguins and stuff. Hold on, there's a lot of. Hold on, hold on, everybody. We have the wiki open. Yeah. I have the wiki open. I have George Animal Crossing, inventor of Animal Crossing, on the phone. On my phone. Um, so we have alligator, anteater, bear, bird, bull, cat, chicken, cub, deer, dog, duck, eagle, elephant, frog, goat, gorilla, hamster, hippo, ray would be a frog, hamster, hippo, horse, kangaroo, koala, lion, monkey, mouse, octopus, ostrich, tiger, and wolf. Um... Several birds are grouped into different species entirely. Chicken, duck, eagle, ostrich, owl, peacock, pelican, penguin, pigeon, seagull, and turkey. I was going to say, I definitely think Bayrod would be an ostrich because he's so sort of like tall. And then Ray can, and then that would make sense for Ray to be like an eagle and Bayrod to be an ostrich. And yeah, because you have Pave as like the peacock character, but you don't have peacock villagers, which is a shame. I love Pave though. He looks really cool. Um... But yeah, that makes sense. Um, I wanna be the. Sorry. Uh, there's also deers. I love deers. Um, deer. I don't know who would be a deer. Uh, um, Nora is definitely a deer. Okay, fair. That would be. Oh yeah, that'd be really cute. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want Ray to be a frog or a bird because frogs are really cute. That's true. The frog ones are adorable. I think I'm settling. Raise, raise a bird. We are agreed on it um we already agree he's a bird god damn it slams hand on table ava ava's (laughs) ava's either a frog or a cat i think ava could also be very i could make i would make an argument for ava as a duck so cute okay yeah ava as a duck that's really really cute why are we doing so many fucking birds i will say though in terms of bird persona (laughs) stuff animal crossing is one of the only series that does a lot of like cute like they do a really good job making bird species look 
really cute and appealing. Because if you know anything about furry fandom, there are some people people who do bird or like bird adjacent species as their fursonas, but not that many comparatively. Um, it's a much sm- even smaller subsection than like scalies. Mm-hmm. So like Animal Crossing has a lot of really cute bird stylizations. So that's why we're just pushing everybody in the bird category. You're a bird, um, goddammit. Because I was always thinking, I was thinking that Sarah would be a frog. And I'm only saying that because I think one of her main Pokemon as both, you know, just a regular trainer persona and a gym leader persona is uh, Toxicroak. That's really cool. But um, can I make the case for Lion? You're right. I'm wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I do I do like I do think she works really well with Toxicroak, but like the way that frog villagers are drawn versus how Toxicroak is drawn is very different. Um Yeah, that's fair. That's that's more than fair. Yeah, who else are we missing? I mean we're missing a lot of people, but I also think we should probably get into the episode. That's fair. Um or we really will I really will fucking sit here and do this all day. I'm You know what? When we do when we do some kind of live stream Either because we're all stuck indoors or for the finale. Or maybe if we if we set something up, I'm gonna post I was so sad when Mitzi moved out. I'm sorry, I'm 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 reminiscing now. I'm just going through it. I am excited for Animal Crossing. I really enjoyed playing New Leaf. I hadn't really played up till that point because I didn't get it when it was on the N64. I was I had like Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Stadium 2 for the N64 and like Super Mario 64 um that was it that i remember anyway and tetris because my mom played tetris um and then i didn't get and then obviously i had to pay for my own games so it's kind of like well i have to get xd i have to get gale of darkness and coliseum so i never had time to play animal crossing up till it was on the ds and i really love new leaf i am excited this has absolutely fuck all to do with the episode but there you go now um, uh, well here's my first question did we manage to come up with a name for this week's episode? Um, uh, well, <laughs> uh, it just be like that. It just be the like land, that. the the land of how do we how do we do a Mr. Rogers riff in like a nice way? Um. How could you do this to Fred Rogers' ghost? I'll kill you. Nate Haywood's marriage dying. <laughs> I was literally thinking because we called the last one when Mick went to the Romanticon, we called it Leonard Snar's Romanticon dying. I was yeah. really thinking we need to either call this episode Biphobia in Action or Nate Haywood's uh, or Nate Haywood's wedding dying. Yes, I think I think let's go with that. Because like here's the thing is this episode is so fucking mean to John and Nate specifically as like, right? Like where I'm like, fuck you. This feels, this feels pointed. This feels like a call out. Like they, they suffered. They died in the gay fucking trenches for you to do this. Like John- You know how they said nobody was killed at Stonewall? Wrong. They were. (laughs) Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody died. Nobody was killed. Good effort, Derek. God. Um, that is truly something where like Nora making, I mean, not not making, I will say, and maybe this was because here's the thing is I had to miss the first oh, the opening 20 minutes of this. Yes. Episode let me summarize to you what happened to the best of my memory. 
and I'm not going to go into it. We might put up my my review of the world's worst sports movie I watched in lieu of the first 20 minutes of this episode on Patreon when we get that fucking thing set up. But for now, just know that it was bad. Continue. Okay. So here's what happens. Uh, Sarah's back. Yay! Um, Ray is trying to prepare a really elaborate dinner for himself and Nora, where he's going to hide her engagement ring in the chocolate mousse that he made. And Nate and Bayrod are helping him prepare. And Nate is being very clingy to Bayrod for obvious reasons. Um, yes. And then Nora comes over and she's like, I thought we were just going to order pizza. And I'm like, wait a second. Why are you using John Constantine's house for a date? I think at this point, they're like, listen, you live on the Wave Rider, and so we can use your house. That's how that works. That's how that works. Because, so here's the thing. The reason that Nora and John have to fake date, we're like, I remember that they've sort of been weird about this ship before, where Phil was like, well, who knows? Maybe they will, because, like, you know, I don't don't care enough. Yeah. And I was like, that's not, nobody cares, Phil. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to see John Constantine with a woman. Um, Charlie doesn't count because Charlie's not a woman, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's one of those things where, like, (laughs) I was just... And so she goes, I thought we were ordering pizza. And Ray is like, this is, you know, well, I I thought I'd do this for you because he's apparently cooked five courses for her. And I'm like, John Constantine, if this is his house and your guys are and Ray's supposed to be doing some kind of romantic thing for a woman, shouldn't John be like physically trying to stop the kitchen from working? Yes, it feels like I feel like what we missed was like Ray and the kitchen. Like if we'd had a scene where like Ray was trying to do stuff and because the house is obviously magic, that's a warlock's house, um, a witch's house. I don't really warlock is not a nice word. Warlock just means Oathbreaker, but it, because it's a witch's house, it's like trying to fight him on it. That would have been really fun. I know we have no money, but it would have been fun. I mean, like literally, they're they're doing an episode in a couple weeks where they're like, "This piece of the spear is in the woods in Canada, Vancouver." <laughs> you know, <laughs> where no. Phil is like, "We knew we were going to have to do this because we have no money." Just kidding, not really. And I was like, <laughs> "I got emotional whiplash." Yeah, at that at that point, it's like you can if you need to talk about it, man. We're here for you. But are you fucking good? And the answer to that is, as all things, no, no, no. And um, so meanwhile, thousands of miles away, yes. John is on the wave rider. First, he's like, "This is the loom of fate. This is what I need." And Charlie's like, "That's not happening." And Sarah's like, "I agree with Charlie." And Ava's like, "Well, obviously, I'm not going to agree with you." <laughs> It was like, I agree with John. And then just starts laughing. (laughs) No, she didn't do that, but that would have been amazing. That would have been been incredibly fucking funny. I'm sad they didn't go for it. So, in that plot, which wasn't really explored this episode, um, Charlie briefly, and this was part of the, um, this was one of the previews they dropped for the episode, Charlie um, shapeshifted into Nate and told John that he had, he's like, hey, it's me, Nate, who has a PhD. And I had, I studied the loom of fate in college that I went to. And I read a journal from some archaeologist that was looking for it. And he thought it was at the South Pole. And I was like, John is obviously not going to, because when I saw the preview, 
um, like the day before, the day of hours before, I was like, there is no way John Constantine is so stupid that he would. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, where is that music coming from? <laughs> that was that was my fault. Um, and that's why later when you see him all dressed up like Captain Cold, I was wondering. That's, that's why. That's why Nate is like, "What are you doing?" And John is like, "You told me to do this." And Nate is like, "No, I didn't." And John is like, "Son of a bitch." Fucking stupid. Um, and we have a really cute scene where Zari is, she has an exfoliating facial peel on, looks adorable. And Sarah's like, what are you still doing here? And Zari's like, exfoliating. Thank you. Love it. And Mick is, she's like, Mick has been in his room for days. And um, Sarah's like, why? And Mick opens the door and he's like, someone is insulting my novels. And Zari's like, oh, you have a troll. And she just looks at her and goes, what the hell's wrong with your face? And then he closes the door. And so I think um, that was actually sort of my favorite subplot of the episode was um, the sort of brief stuff that happened with Zari and Mick and Lita and Allie. Because it started with the next scene is just Zari in Mick's room and she's reading one of his books and she's just like, this is extremely pornographic. And he's like, thank you. And she's like, you're welcome. So good. And it happens in a very, like, I, I'm I'm sort of doing a disservice to the tightness that that dialogue had. Yes, but it's, I get, I get what you mean. But seeing that Zari has always sort of been Mick's biggest supporter of, like, his career since Here I Go Again, I was like, I enjoy this. It was a nice, it was a nice throwback. It's, again, it's proof yeah. that, like, Zari is still Zari, fundamentally. Yeah. And again, because all of Mick's books are about Maya, she's like, these are the greatest things I've ever read. Did you see the scene where um, I'm just jumping around because that's sort of the setup. Did you see the scene where Ray goes, am I rushing into this? And Nate goes, yes. God, no, because Jesus Christ, Nathaniel. Okay, so Nora, Damien shows up and he's like, hello, hello, darling. It's me, your dad. And I'm so happy to see you. And this is such a nice house. And she's like, okay, so this is clearly she's like telling him that she's like, yes, this is where I do my dark rituals. And he's like, so proud of her for thinking she's like this evil sorcerer. That that was about when I came in, when they real, when John like had to pretend to be her. Yeah. um, So first they're showing her around. Oh, they also have to rescue Gary. Cause John, cause we get a nice little throwback to the season three finale where five hours later, Gary is picking up all the Bebo fuzz. Yes. And Damien Dark uh, kidnaps him and ties him to the train tracks. I mean, as one does. Thus earning the dastardly achievement. Poor Jesus. And so that's how Sarah and Ava figure out that Damien Dark is back. And there's actually a really good sort of little bit of dialogue where they're like, we're going to go handle this. Let's not get the guys involved. You know how emotional they can be. Where I was like, I love the dynamics the show puts down. I love yeah. that. Because it's like, yeah, they are emotional. That's not a bad thing, but it is true. You know, yeah. and she wasn't saying it in a way that was like, oh, haha, like gay. Because let me like, tell you mm-hmm, something. Right. The rest of the episode did that for her. Yeah. Um, and. Okay, so. 
Ray is watching Nora's um, charge, the child she's with right now. And he's like, we're going to watch Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac. It's a straight that goes in a circle. Um, And the little girl is sort of talking. She's like, well, Mr. Parker said that we shouldn't be afraid to love who we love. And like, we shouldn't be ashamed of ourselves. So why is Nora hiding you? And that's when Ray has sort of the dinner with Nate and Bayrod, and he and Nate are drinking rosé, and Bayrod is drinking apple juice, and it's incredible. It's adorable. And Ray is like, do you think I'm rushing things with Nora? And Nate just, like, goes, yes! Like, just, Absolutely. like, Doesn't jumps push. into it. Like, of course dives does. into it. Because, of course, of course, such... of, fucking... of course Where I'm does. like, is this a joke? Am yes, I a is joke a... team? <laughs> Like, like, why would you also, for Ray, I'm like, why would you ask Nate that? Like, you were expecting any other answer. Like, you and Nora could have been, like, 25 years dating at that point. He would have been like, if he'd asked, if he'd asked, am I rushing into this? Nate would have been like, yes, absolutely, definitely. You should be dating literally anyone else except her. And, like, you guys are a fucking wreck. You know that? I also just think it's something that we could highlight, that it's really funny that... The way that John interacts with Nora when he's supposed to be dating her is still less like emotional and dependent than just how he treats Ray, period. Oh yeah. No, he's very much just like barely making contact with her. Like, hello, wife object. I sure love Dexterous Watch you. <laughs> like, I sure love it. It's just that time, it's that time when fucking it's Rose. Rose, when she's like, "Yes, Greg, I'm totally ready to make a baby," <laughs> but looks so much writing on hand. Vagruba. <laughs> oh Jesus! Basically, um, and like, and that's me... good. That's fucking funny. I'm for it. <laughs> I cannot wait for her and I to bond over our looks at so much writing on hand. Vagrubas. Now. Here's a couple of things that are very homophobic. <laughs> um, number one, the fact that John had to be with Nora when he's like, this is not the half of the equation I want to be with. And also that uh, Nate had to be Ray's best man and be there for him when Ray was marrying someone else. <laughs> and you can just fucking hear, like, you can just fucking hear someone like you. And then and that someone called... John that Nate called John Captain Cold in the episode where Nick where Mick has a child with a woman. Oh yeah. Which like at that point I'm like he should be legally allowed to sue. I think I think the raw audacity. Well, first of all, Leonard's the fact that Leonard Snart's jealous gay ghost wasn't just in this episode fucking gloating. It's just I I don't even have their spirit. First of all, statement from Mick Rory, also known as the famous author Rebecca Silver, regarding well, several interactions he's had with the apparition of his dead husband. I mean, I know we said that as a joke, but I'm actually like, that's really sad, too, which is why mm-hmm. I really love, like, I love it. Because, like, Jesus, that's depressing. Because, like, um, yeah, we can make this, like, a sad a sad joke, but, like, also, it is kind of, like, you could be sad, it could be creepy, it could be fun. Like, it's, it's, there's no losing here. It's a good time. And I also just love that reminder of John wearing mixed, um, not mix, lens parka and his goggles that Mick just keeps the shit around in pristine condition. No yeah. reason. Just in case. 
you know. He definitely, let me just reiterate that everyone on the show likes different genders. No one here likes the same gender, except like oh, the never. characters that are allowed. And it's ugh, truly fucking masterpiece theater. Um, Hold on. I'm actually uploading the fucking, the clip of Nate and Ray and Bayrod so that you can just see it, experience it, taste it. I'm going to send yeah. it to you. Um, so basically Zari, and they do this very cute thing where it's clearly the writers like talking about people who don't like legends, where she's like, a troll is just a fan who wants attention. <laughs> where they're like, deep down, they just want you to love them. Um, she's like, let's send your troll a signed copy of your book. And they'll be really happy. They'll be like, oh my God, Rebecca Silver paid attention to me and they'll love it. And so the next thing, of course, is, um, and they don't know it's Lita yet, but we see Lita's hands and she lights the book on fire and throws it in a trash can. And I'm like, well, that's because that's your fucking kid. What did you expect? Like, what the fuck else did you expect her to do? Girl, see a chance to commit arson and be like, I got to take this. Yeah. Is anyone going to take this? Am I going to have to? Okay. Girls will see a building that's not on fire and say, is anyone going to burn that and not wait for an answer? Anyway. So then Zari gets really pissy and she hacks the person, the sort of trolls video that they sent and finds their and pings their IP. And Mick is like, you hack? And she's like, no. And I'm just, I'm like me whenever a man asks me if I'm interested in anything. Yeah, I've never done anything in my life. No, Papa banned all mirrors in the manor. Lest we fall victim to vanity. Thank you. Um, and so they show up, and Mick has these fucking index cards that he's trying to read to Lita. She's just standing in the doorway, like, judging him. It's that John Mulaney bit where he's talking about how afraid he is of teenagers because they just know what your worst fears are. <laughs> favorite yes and he's like it's not listen to me you pimple-faced little like essentially little shit and then he turns to Zari and he's like she doesn't have any pimples and Zari's sitting there and she's like filming him she's like keep going you're doing great and he's like my last novel was a hit and you know it what have you ever done with your life and he's like reading it off these index cards where it's just like I don't know what's going on here but I love it and I want 10 more of it Yes. I also kind of love that, like, apparently, like, Zari has apparently dealt with, like, enough of her own Anon hate that she's, like, coaching Mick on how to do this. Mm-hmm. Which I also... Is, which is oh, one right. Where, because Sarah because, like, goes... Most celebrities, like, don't do that. Sarah like, goes, you don't You don't deal with your own Anon hate. Yep. Sarah just likes to fight. <laughs> Sarah's like, Zari, can you handle Mick? Which is great, because she just realized that Zari is still on this ship, and she's like, you can deal with this. And, yeah, and just rolls over. And Zari's like, I have some great makeover ideas. Where Zari and Mick's plot is literally just, you know what that means. Suicide. Suicide. Makeover. Makeover. It's literally it's that. It's. And I was like, is Zari going to have a weirdly horny relationship with Mick? Because honestly, he's been missing out on that. And. Then, um, I mean, she just sort of strikes me more as like a little sister type for him. Yes. Because 
but she's like, very sort of persistent that Mick is haunted constantly every fucking day of his life so they show up and he reads the cards and then Allie is like, oh, Mick, hi. And Mick is like, hey, uh, your daughter sent me in on it. I mean, I don't know if he tells Allie that's why he's there, but I know Allie is sort of like, well, um, this is your kid. Guys. And he faints, which if you'll recall, if you'll recall, I wrote a Mixon baby headcanon that oh did you watch the clip yes <laughs> that when Amaya tells Mick she's pregnant he faints and the timelines line up they were shooting um the episode they were shooting the Genghis Khan episode on the 29th of August and I had posted that headcanon like four days before. And so they would have been working on this episode. And what I want to say is that Phil Clemmer personally owes me $10,000. All your idea, man. No, I don't actually. I mean, it's an extremely common trope. Yes, but it is. It's, I, it's I still. Think, I think more frightfully, Phil Clemmer and I may, may somehow share a brain cell. Is Phil part of our, that means that you and yeah, Phil and I all share a brain cell, which is the worst thing that could have happened. Just like, wait, if I'm piloting that, you, you, yeah, it never leads anywhere good. So that's, thing, fundamentally that's, here. that's upsetting to learn. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you watched not, the clip because I forgot, I forgot as I was sending it to you that they, um, that Nate was like, you're so beautiful. Have I ever told you, Ray, also that you're stunningly gorgeous? What is going on? What is going on? I cannot stress this enough. Fundamentally, what the fuck are you doing every time? What the fuck is going on in here on this day? This day in this place. Like, what the fuck are you people doing? And I think, I think also just to say, I'm kind of talking the least about the Damien, Nora, whatever subplot, because I, everyone that wasn't sort of directly in that plot this episode, and you kind of joined 20 minutes in, so I think we've sort of caught up to where you would be. Everyone that wasn't in this plot felt very um, underutilized, and people who even were in this plot felt kind of weirdly dry. So I'm interested, what do you, how do you, what do you mean by that? Um, well, like, the fact that Charlie doesn't want to show John the loom, and then just kind of agrees to it at the end, and we don't really see any of her this episode. Um, actually, referring to Charlie as her makes me, um, think, do you want to talk a little bit about just being non-binary and, like, pronouns? Because some people are like, well, they should confirm that Charlie uses they, them, and show. But I've always gotten the feeling, and I feel like you and I have discussed this, that she doesn't have to if she doesn't want to and can that, still okay. be. So I'm actually going to. So here's the thing. Um, if you ask trans people, ask 10, 10 trans people about something, you will get 11 different opinions. It's just, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that the community, quote unquote, is like inconsistent or stupid or isn't real. or doesn't. It's just that it turns out that ID politics, uh, identity politics is a lot more complicated than that shit. And I will say this. I have one of our mutual friends use is non-binary and uses she, her pronouns. And she has said 
and rightly so, that pronouns do not dictate gender. That's how you can have, you know, lesbians that use he, him pronouns and they, them pronouns and so on and so forth. The pronouns you use do not necessarily dictate your gender. It is okay to use pronouns that are not just the standard, like they, them. Not every non-binary person you meet is going to use they, them. That's okay. That's expected. It, it just it just be like that. Well, that being said, hold on. Yeah. That being said, I also understand why people might be like, but I really want her to use gender neutral pronouns because that might be true in like real life, but it is a little more complicated when you start the fact that like this is a show. There is not a lot of representation of non-binary genders in media. And with that, it means that people want to, fair enough, see um, a gender non-conforming character use they, them pronouns. Because as much as that is true in the real world, that anyone can use any pronouns and it doesn't equate their gender, it doesn't, like on TV, there aren't a lot of characters that use they, them pronouns. It becomes wanting to see that more than anything. And that's totally fine and cool. Um, it makes total sense to me. Um, I would love to see Charlie use they, them pronouns. I don't think it means that she's not gender, like that her gender is non, like her gender isn't non-binary. Sorry, that's a lot of double fucking negatives there. Um, that being said, it's that thing where it's like, you want to, you want to see her use it because you want to know that these cis showrunners know what the fuck they're talking about. I think fundamentally is sort of the reason I think people are a little pushier about it than maybe they'd normally be. Um, and that's Well, cool. I would not, sorry. Um, if I, if I had been seeing sort of this kind of talk come from trans legends fans, I would have not maybe needed to have you sort of as a very sort of visibly non-binary person in this fandom, I think talk about it, but I was seeing a lot of um, cis course. Oh yeah. I don't, I really, and I really don't, first off, this course is really funny. Second, like, I, I really don't mind, like, it doesn't bug me to talk about it. Um, I'm not embarrassed by it. Sometimes you can get, like, it, I, I really don't mind. Um, so it is that thing where it's like, if you're a cis person listening to this podcast, it's okay that it's not transphobic that you're using she, her pronouns for Charlie. Um, I think it's maybe just important to carry in your head going forward that, like, the pronoun somebody uses don't necessarily dictate their gender so it's not a given that like someone using this pronoun or that pronoun is going to be this gender or that gender and like learn to be flexible um you know it's that thing where sometimes i even see binary trans people having takes like i hate when we get asked for our pronouns oh my god and it's like okay but no one will ever gender me correctly unless someone asks for my pronouns it's just not happening that's not sorry but lean in man um you can just it, say Natalie. We know. I oh no. I mean, it's not just it's not just her, but it is something where it's like, yeah, I think even people who are binary, strict binary trans might not be on the up and up about certain things that you might expect. And that is okay, sort of, as long as you don't let it like hurt people. And sometimes, you know, when you when you have to consider other fundamentally at the end of the day. Consider other people's feelings before you say things. I don't really <laughs> think about think about unrealistic. Other Blocked. Unrealistic. Blocked. Yeah. 
And I get that, but you know, it's a fun, like the, my, my, my hottest take on that is for the love of God, please consider how other people might feel um, before you do things. Absolutely not. Never. Never. Um, And then like everything with that's, and I know we're going to be seeing Lita more this season, but everything that sort of happens with them where Mick uses the memory flasher on her and Allie, like immediately, because he's like, she is so much like me that if I were in her life, she would become exactly like me. And that's detrimental. Yeah, that one hit like a sack of bricks. I mean, it hit like a sack of bricks, but I'm also like, we needed more of this. Like, because I feel like they were sort of trying to parallel that how Damien is trying to make Nora exactly like him and Mick doesn't want Lita to be like him at all. But we already know that Damien is an asshole. We haven't met Lita yet. Yeah, we don't need to be told that Damien Dark is an asshole. Like, I think at this point, if you don't know that, I'm a little more concerned. I will also say, so here's my whole thing about this, is I'm so tired of, like, absentee dad plotline. And, like, I'm not blaming Mick for this, but it's just a personal thing where it's, like, I cannot express how deeply exhausted I am of, like, neglectful dad plotlines. I hate them so much. I will never quite forgive Avatar, the like, the Legend of Korra, technically. I will never forgive the Legend of Korra for, like, retconning all of my faves as, like, shitty parents. Because, like, yeah, I know that's probably, like, legitimately what happens because, like, PTSD and wartime. I, I get it. Fuck you. Because nothing hurts more than, like, hey, that character you love, they're a terrible fucking parent. Because if you have terrible fucking parents, that shit leaves scars. Um, And I, you know, also fucking every goddamn thing I'm reading lately fucking did that. Like, Stone Ocean was just me sitting there going... I have to assume that Jotaro died and was replaced by a clone because I don't want to reconcile like fuck you for making me think of this character i like as a bad father fuck off i'm so tired of it and i'm so tired of it specifically with like men and their daughters because like i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast but like i have like my biological dad and my stepdad and my biological dad and i have met like once and we exchanged you know like we had a brief faltering relationship that sort of went nowhere and that's just kind of what happens a lot with these sort of things and it doesn't make me like broken and it doesn't make me like a bad person and it doesn't mean that i'm it's that ironically is the thing that psychologically traumatized me probably the least um, congratulations huzzah <laughs> and i know i know that's dark it, darkest yeah, I get it. but it darkest, darkest yeah and so on but it is that thing where it's like i am so fucking tired of this shit you have no idea it is so exhausting to deal with these sort of plot lines to this degree where i'm just like i don't I hate this. They can't make me like this. I just, I refuse. I, it, it, it might be petty. It might be unfair. I know the show isn't really necessarily doing a bad job of it, quote unquote. It doesn't matter. It's just that fundamentally, I am so fucking tired of dealing with this plot line that like they could write like the fucking, the, the Ulysses of dad, daughter, trauma relationships. And it wouldn't matter because I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm so sick of fucking talking about it and interacting with it and hearing about it. The sheer amount of fear I have that season six will now have the Ulysses of dad-daughter drama. I mean, if it does, then I will, I will, I I, I mean, I will have to, I assume, make a public apology. But <laughs> it is that it's just like, fuck, dude, enough. You know? Like, you just, I, I at least for me, I'm just like, it, and it'll come back to haunt us, and I'm and I know it will. And I'm just like I'm so tired of it. 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 Um, yeah. I, I mean, don't really know how how much more direct I can get, other than I fucking hate this. No, I I think you're making perfect sense. It's also just I mean, here's the thing. It's like I know that legends 
doesn't have control over Laurel's character. Like they don't, that's not that. And I know that at the end of the episode sort of, and I did appreciate that the last thing they did in that episode was like, hey, are you going to forgive me for killing your sister? And Sarah's like, no, never. And Damien's like, well, I'm going to be gone forever now. So that's the last thing I'm ever going to talk about in, in my life. That was also something where I will say, I, as much as I just ripped into them for this Mick and Lita thing, it Nora yeah. and Damien is different than neglectful dad. That is an actively abusive and like yeah. maliciously neglectful parent. Not just an absent parent, but like a neglectfully absent, like on like an abusive, malicious parent. So her telling him, like, I actually cried a couple times. Like, this is the yeah. thing where if you'll remember um how I talked about like Nora during the complete and absolute fuck up of anything remotely related to slasher horror um of an episode i was like this what i i wanted to see her doing shit like what she does this episode because it hurt it was so good but god did it fucking hurt um and i am so proud like i just like because that's the thing where it's like you're genuinely proud of a character because you've watched this character grow Mm -hmm. and like knowing that courtney is acting from the heart also is like really good like there's nothing i don't love about the scene where she's like i'm nothing like you like fuck you i don't want to be anything like you like you fucking let like she's just she's really fucking letting him have it and it is so so good Mm -hmm. hell yeah um i really appreciated it um do we want to talk about the mr parker's cul-de-sac thing also unless you want to talk about nora and damien I wanted to talk about Nora and Damien a little more. I mean, I don't know if there should be. I mean, that's the thing is I'm a little mad. I mean, I guess Nora didn't think it was tied up with a little bow because she thinks that he's going to come back. Like she thinks they'll be able to work on it on a longer term. Yes. But for me, the idea that it was wrapped up with a little bow and that. You got the vibe that Nora was going to fix this with her. Like, she felt like she was like, oh, I can fix this with my dad at some point. It'll be fine. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, it breaks my. What really frustrated me is that she um, basically was like, let me try to talk to my dad. And if I can you know, convince him to not do this, then you guys will let him go, right? And then it immediately sort of blows up at her, which is horrible, but it's almost like I felt like she wasn't, I mean, maybe she wasn't angrier because she's just so used to it. Maybe she knew she was lying to herself. Yeah. Um, I got the vibe that she was saying that, but that everyone, I mean, I think part of it was also also me knowing that it wasn't going to end that way, where I was like, there's no fucking way in hell. Even if I hadn't known what the spoiler was, like, going in, there's no fucking way in hell that anyone on this team except Ray would let Damien Dark live. And I'm not saying that because Ray is like an abuse, but just because it's Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, fundamentally, just because it's Ray. But, like, no one else on this team would let Damien Dark live. Like, they wouldn't, there was no fucking way that he was, someone was going to kill him, or re-kill him, regardless. So, like, it was that thing where it's like, I know Nora was saying that, and it made me sad to hear her say that. Because it's always that thing with, like, when you're in, like, an abusive relation, like, you have an abusive parent, where you're, like, you know, you're, you're, it's that thing where it's, like, when you have an abusive parent, and you're always caught between that mix of, I know you can 
I know you are never going to change. And I know you are never going to improve and you are going to disappoint me, disgust me and frustrate me constantly. But also I can't, I can't help hoping that you won't this time. But maybe this, this, maybe this time, maybe this time it'll be a real road instead of a painting on the wall. And I want you to know if you listener have family like that, you are not stupid for having that hope. Um, it is a normal human thing. It is innate and natural to want your family to be good. Like we're just socialized that way. We're, we're raised that way. Our culture and our environment tells us that our family members are supposed to be someone we're like, we're, we have to trust, we have to love, et cetera. So when they don't, when they aren't worth that, or when they don't live up to that, we, we, we keep hoping that it'll get better. I think most of us, um, and that does not make you stupid because you are, you are expecting what you deserve from them. And the fact that they're not giving it to you is not your fault. And you have done nothing wrong and you are not doing anything wrong by wanting that. Oh, you know, there's your, there's your PSA. I just, mm, yeah. I mean, this very much was, and that's why I was kind of like, I almost died before they got married. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not up to me to say, because that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how many Legends writers have experienced parental trauma, but I know it's at least some of them. Yeah. From the way so you I don't want to tell them how they should deal with it. I'm just sort of, I guess in my head when I work on these kinds of narratives or I think about it, I either don't have the parent in there or I have like a cutoff point where they're sort of excluded from that point forward. I don't continually include them. Yeah. It's that thing where it's like, you know, um, me looking back at the way that I do all this shit. Um, I totally do the same thing where it's like parents in my narrative are either adopted parents one way and another who are too good for this world and are the best people ever. Um, or their biological parents who are estranged and abusive or biological parents who are traumatizing and dead. There's not really, there's not really a lot of middle ground. Parents Um, in this economy? Yeah. Where it's like my, my OCs, my characters with good parents are all people who got adopted, um, one way or another, or they're, they were like raised by like wolves, like smart wolves, but like wolves. Um, it just... You know, and that's and that's how I've chosen to handle it is just by erasing the idea of good biological parents from my narrative. I don't think they exist. Um, and I don't have to acknowledge them. And you know, that is okay, but I think it does mean as much as we sometimes as much as sometimes as much as we often talk about how legends is very much mm-hmm. a fantasy for the traumatized. We did talk about this a lot with Nate last time last season, where we were like, that doesn't yeah. mean that we have to agree with it or think this is a good thing. We did we did rag on them a lot for doing this with Nate, even if we were like, I understand where you're coming from with this. But there's a point where those sort of wish fulfillment narratives that aren't necessarily like the healthiest or best ones can, even though, you know, they, they, they're understandable and I'm sympathetic to them. But sometimes I do just hit a wall with them where I'm like, he should not have been there. Um, I think if he had died before they got married, 
that would have been better because as much as they were still trying to like be like Damien was a bad parent and Nora's right to be mad at him, they still had Damien like they still had right as the father daughter. Asking his yeah. permission, they had a father daughter dance. Fun. He's like, "I'm so proud of you." Blah yeah. blah 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 blah, and, and that was sort like, of. And you sorry, you go. Sorry, you hit a point where it's like you can't have it both ways. Like, if you want him to be a good dad, you're you're wrong. But you, then that means you need to stop. Like, you have to not. Like, he can't have all of the things that a good dad would have while you are acknowledging that he's abusive and did horrible things. Like, you can't do both of those. You're giving me fucking whiplash. And they were doing it in a way where it was like... Whiplash is a good word for it. And, yeah. It was very much like that. And, like, Ray asking his permission, like, it's 1935. Like, Like, that's not how that works. Um, it, it was like, it was stupid and unnecessary. And like, I think a better setup would have been him dying before the wedding. Because then on top of that, he goes to Ray and he's like, you're going to take care of her, right? You're going to protect her, right? You're going to do the right thing for her, right? And it's like, buddy, what the fuck would you know about the right thing for your daughter? Like, I, I know it's Ray, but I really wish to God he had turned him in. Like, you don't know what the right thing for your daughter is. Fuck you. And again, I know it's right, but come on. I, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's that thing where it's like, I understand that they're kind of doing that to set up the two of them leaving. Yeah. But there were totally other ways you could have done that. You could have had Nate and Ray having a conversation and Nate being jealous and gay and being like, well, what are you going to do now that you're married? And Ray's like, I don't know yet. Um, You know, I think it's going to be hard for us to keep doing the long distance thing we've been doing with her living in the real world and doing her fairy godmother stuff and me on the ship. So uh, I guess we'll have to... Do it one day at a time. And Nate's like, haha, that's so great. I'm going to go eat glass in the fucking corner. And like, there you go. Yeah, like, Nate, Nate actively self-immolating. Haha, <laughs> neat. <laughs> Nate dumping gasoline all over his clothes during the entire conversation. Yeah, like, it could have been done without- What if I told you people about going into mix, self-immolation, gasoline source? <laughs> he needs that. But like- <laughs> It's, it was so... That is not frivolous gasoline. (laughs) We need, it's expensive. (laughs) I will say, though, all of this said, I I mean, obviously, you know, we've said all the things about how, you know, this isn't even our favorite shit. Doesn't matter. Because watching Courtney and Brandon be very obviously in love, like, especially Courtney, like, she was just so very clearly, like, in love. And I was like... But it was really cute. Yeah. Like they were really so obviously in love and like happy to get married again on TV with like their fucking work. I'm sure they call them their work family. They do call them that. Yeah. Yeah. I will say something I'm extremely, 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 extremely bitter about. And this is not Courtney's fault. And this is not just McCallan or Ava's fault. But I do, I do have to voice my feelings on it, which is that. Um, Courtney mentions that when she was talking about book club, I think in either another cut of the episode of that scene or in an extended cut, she says, Ava Sharp, you're my best friend. And I'm like, oh, Ava's your best friend? I mean, Ava's her best friend. I listen, listen, where it's that thing where it's like, not not the person who literally like died for her. Yeah. Not the person she literally took the fairy godmother for. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm sorry, she literally died, or she, she, okay. Not the person who started book club and insisted on putting them both in it because they needed the resource. Not her? No. Okay. 
And it's that and thing that's that because like, Mona is her girlfriend and not her best friend. It makes perfect sense. Yes, and I know, and like in my heart, I know that's the truth. But in the other part of my heart, I'm like, fuck you guys. That is such a slap in the face where it's like, writing Mona out of the show that thoroughly is infuriating where it's like I mean at least she'll be back next week for for Nora's like bachelorette party episode where I'm like you get one one fucking chance don't fuck me on this but it does it it is it's I'm glad they cut that because like it's not true like I love Nora and Ava's relationship but it doesn't matter I don't care all right love is Love is a strong word. I like it. I think in another timeline, it could have been a really good... If I wasn't bitter, I would have no problem with But I yeah, am bitter. No, I, I, I am also angry because, like, yeah, it very much feels like she could have... Like, I'm glad they cut it because, like, it's like, no, you guys cannot... Fuck you for erasing Mona so thoroughly out of this narrative. Like, fuck you guys. And that is, I think this season has kind of been poorly balanced because they're not there has been a real know, lack of balance because yeah. there has been a lot just in terms and not even in terms of like tone and plot wildly enough but just in terms of like actor availability like you guys didn't seem to schedule this in a way that made sense for all of your actors other shooting schedule commitments and it's like I want these I want these people to have success outside of the show obviously but at the same time it is deeply frustrating to me that it's like you guys should have, I, I mean, it's like, how much, how much control did they have over shooting is really the real question where it's like, you guys did not plan your schedules out very well, but also how much flexibility does the CW, CW really give you to do that? Where it's like, I don't blame them or I do blame them, but I don't know. I don't, I admit that I don't know the full story and how much of this is just legends being incompetent and not scheduling its actors like not scheduling its like shooting schedule well enough to include everybody how much of it is just like incompetence and how much of it is network mandate like this has to be shot now and this because this has to air now and if they're well it's kind of interesting because um um legends has been done filming for some time now actually but everything else on the cw is is arrow not arrow arrow died (laughs) delicious um the flash and supergirl are done even though they haven't wrapped their seasons they're like it's over go home yeah yeah grant gustin fucking falling to his knees yelling no shaking at the sky and i do genuinely wonder why that is number one but I also just wonder, like, how much of oh, that... Oh, because of coronavirus. Oh, I meant, I meant in terms of, like, oh, yeah, I just meant, yeah, because coronavirus, because Riverdale got it, and all of, those, all of those fucking shows are so incestuous in terms of their sets, where it's like, yeah, n- no wonder. But, um, and of course it would be someone on the fucking Riverdale cast that spread coronavirus on the CW, because, like... Obviously, yeah. yeah. If you yeah. had asked me, okay, so which fucking CW show is going to be the one to spread coronavirus to everybody else? I would have said Riverdale. Almost um, too. If if somebody had written a book about this and were like, and this is the show that got coronavirus, I'd be like, that's a little. Would have been like, guys, huh, come on, that's a, that's a bit on the nose, but like, it is something where you know, I just mean in terms of because the first, it's getting a little better now, but the first four or five episodes of the season 
really fucking took a hit from not having half of their key players. And like, it is truly something where I'm like, you have to schedule. If I could do, if I could change anything about the show, you know, show's approach going in next season, you need to schedule better. Um, or at least attempt. That being said, it is like, I, I think this season is really and truly the most hamstrung by its lack of schedule um, or lack of schedule management where it's like, okay, yeah. Charlie is the crux of this season, but Maisie was filming a movie. So you guys didn't really know how to do both. And I'm glad that they tried to keep Charlie like the focus rather than writing her out of the show. Don't get me wrong. It can always yeah. get worse with the fucking show and how it treats its non-white leads. But at the same time, I'm also like, maybe we could have either postponed filming or like done this as a mini arc, like the second half. And I know we have a short, it's hard because it's also like, I, I will give them some, it is hard because it's also like, okay, so we have a really short fucking season on top of that. So it's mm -hmm. not like really 5B. What fucking season are we on? We're on five. We are on, yes. five. we are on five. I thought so. It's not like five B is even really a thing that exists this time around. Not completely. So it's like you can't even really make the loom plot five B and have Maisie do all of that and then sort of have her not. I be mean, as, I as feel much like five B is just post Brandon, post Courtney. Yes, technically, but even then, that's not that many. Like fundamentally, it's just. La I I wish they had. I don't think they anticipated how sort of hamstrung having such a small episode count would leave them. And I don't think we did. At first, I thought it was going to be like, okay, it'll be really, it'll be tight. But then it ended up being the exact opposite of tight, despite having less episodes, because I don't think they wrote to accommodate both their cast schedules and that lack of episodes where it's like if we had about the normal amount of episodes per season this season mm -hmm. the a half of the season should have been zari and bayrod and the b half should have been Maisie and um charlie and john and like that would have been that would have hypothetically given Maisie time to work on her movie and like also given the zari plot line a little more room to breathe because it is really good but it's also just sort of languishing in the background of a lot of the episodes where it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a bitch, but I'm gonna. We're well past that. Um, this is absolutely no disrespect to Courtney or to Nora, but if Brandon and Courtney were leaving and they're getting married this episode, this should have been their last episode. Because yeah. we, because next week they're going to like leave, leave. And I'm like, how much more focus do we need on this when you have 300 other things going on? And it's just that frustration I have where I'm like, you have had such a revolving door for characters of color on this show. And you just wrote Mona off apropos of nothing. So if I'm a little bit like, I don't think their goodbye needs to be this long. It's just because I'm speaking from what I've observed as what you guys consider goodbyes. Where is that thing where I thought initially, and I agree with you, and I'm also pissed off, because what I saw, when I saw the bachelorette party stuff, I thought I had missed that in the first 20 minutes, that that was all one episode. But the fact that they're doing a bachelorette party episode after they get married is one, not how that works, 
And two, yeah, it is at this point, it's disrespectful. Like to all of the other actors who've you've completely shafted, most of them being non-white, um in favor and it's like listen love courtney love nora i do but this is getting in like this is just like all right enough (laughs) like it's been this is already a season that can't schedule shit to save its life um and has had a really bad problem with finding its focus because nobody is nobody is in the episodes enough fundamentally i feel like we're not spending enough time with any of these characters i love bayrod don't get me wrong but i feel like he's had maybe like three major scenes i mean nora hasn't had as much focus but it is i think partially because ray's there where i'm like listen i love ray i've probably talked on this podcast a lot about how much i love ray but he's had five fucking seasons enough (laughs) like you're you're really dragging this out and it's like fuck off He's had five fucking seasons enough is exactly how I feel where I'm like, he's a big boy. I know that friend, like, there's just a lot of emotions I have about this and none of them are particularly nice or positive. Yeah, where it's like, listen, I'm not, I'm putting as many caveats as possible onto this where it's like, you know, I'm not, I love Courtney. This is not. I love Courtney and this is not about Courtney in the slightest outside of the frustration I have about it in context of like being involved with Brandon really overstaying his fucking welcome at this point where it's like (laughs) enough like it no but truly where it's like if you were gonna leave Mona got an episode before she got not even she got a half an episode before she got booted off in the most disrespectful shitty unceremonious way and you have had like seven fucking episodes to just dither and it's like that's not fair (laughs) and i don't mean that in like a temper tantrum way but it's just such a disrespect like it's such an obvious unequal fucking like uh, sort of respect really for the characters and actors in question i know what you're thinking well Well mona's only been on for a season it doesn't matter (laughs) fuck you (laughs) At that point, it well, doesn't no, matter. Well, no, it's one of those things where I feel like the line about the line about Ava being her best friend, I don't know if Courtney ad-libbed it. I should probably have double-checked the quote. But it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, it, it was just telling. That's all. Yeah, all right. So this is mean. And it's like, you know, I'm tired. I'm past the point of caring because I'm tired of the show being mean to its non-white actors. And then us feeling bad about being mean to it. Like, no, stop yeah. being a dick and we'll stop being a dick. But no, I mean, it truly is. It's like, I'm not saying Brandon and Courtney deserve to lose their jobs. If anything, them losing their jobs is what's causing this over-focus on their characters. Because everyone's like, oh, right poor up. them. They need to get married. They need to have a goodbye episode. Yeah, they like, and I'm rather like, than just booting them off, they're like giving them the full fucking like they're giving them a a whole swan song and it's like that's nice but in contrast to how you literally just sort of forgot that wally was on your team remember that or kendra or like kendra at least we saw saw kendra i mean jacks left because france yeah jacks left because france had a baby but like wally i think is the most sort of blatant where it's like there was barely a mention that he'd even been on the team at all when they came back. Like, it was just like, well, he's not here anymore. 
And it was like, he didn't well, even really have yeah. like a goodbye. That sucked. Not that anyone else's I send-offs mean, were good, but that one was like, you just pretended like he wasn't even on the fucking team. Jesus Christ. And it kind of sucks. It sucks. It sucks a lot. Where it's like, you guys are really fucking bad at this. And it is, when you say it like that, that made me go, oh, that's why it's been so frustrating. Because yeah, I think I care less about them getting all this focus because to me, I'm like, well, they're leaving in an episode, so it won't fucking matter. What's What do they need all this fucking fuss for? Where it's like, fuck you. They shouldn't, they shouldn't leave and then take the entire half of a season to say goodbye. Like they leave or they don't. It's also one of those things where I'm like, you're also hamstringing yourself because now everyone's going to be even like sadder that they left when it's like, this was not, you, you guys just didn't make good choices with this. You didn't. This is a season of bad choices um, and bad priorities. Okay. We all make choices. That was a choice. Fundamentally, we all make choices. And that was a choice is definitely the vibe this season. And it's disappointing because it's like, this is the closest I'm getting to my dream plot of the Endless showing up on this fucking show. It really and is. And you, it, it really, it really is, especially now that we know that there's going to be a Sandman show on Netflix where it's like, fuck you for fucking up what should have been a slam dunk plot line with me because you insisted on, I, I don't know, softening the blow for like Coddling. getting- coddling them and it's like you didn't treat any of your other departing actors with this level of coddling and respect like fuck you i wouldn't i don't i wouldn't i want to say i would not be angry with them if literally anyone else who left had got even half this level of like respect and attention and a respectful send-off they got none of that like the closest we know. got was like Jack's grieving over Stein for an episode and trying to bring him back. But even then, fundamentally, it wasn't even really about Jack's leaving. It was about Stein leaving where it's like, so you can only focus on his grief for an episode if it was mostly about the grief of a death of a... <sighs> and again, Martin Stein is not white. He's Jewish, but... but yeah, it's just, and it just highlights <laughs> the glaring problem that they have. It just highlights the glaring fucking problem that they have. It's like Where when they I'm do, like, and, they it's, do. and it's wild to me because Zari, Zari Tarazi, Zari 2.0, and like I know Nick says she has a lot of cool stuff coming. And apparently Nick yeah. Zano loves strong female characters, so who fucking knows? Fuck but then like Bayrod isn't there until like the finale again. Bayrod misses yeah. like five or four or five episodes where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where it's like at this point, it's like, and it's, and I don't think I would be as annoyed if it wasn't like we already have such a short season where it's like we have an even shorter than normal season on top of spending this first quarter of the season letting the axe down gently. Where it's like, and it is, I think it's doubly infuriating because it's like, we've seen how easily and quickly they drop non-white characters. So it's like, you could do this forever. You choose not to. Fuck you. And if you're going to be like, well, Ray's been around for five seasons. Jax was also like a day one member of the team. Jax did not get anything even remotely close to a send-off. Like, 
No, he Matt. did. I mean, he didn't he get did a sixteen episode fucking send off. And neither, I mean, the thing is, like, Franz knew he was going to have a baby. Victor probably knew he was going to be on Hello, Dolly. Like, where, why wasn't season 3A all about saying goodbye to them? Yeah. Like, it didn't even have to literally be a goodbye to their characters, but why wasn't the season 3A plotline a focus on them and that, like... <sighs> God, it just, it, and I feel bad, because, like, we do try to keep, as much as we rag on the show, we do try to keep it fairly positive. But there is, I am hitting my breaking point with how much of this shit I can take because it really has eaten up all of everyone else's plots and the attention that everybody else gets. And it's going to turn the loom plot, which should be interesting and should be good into some stupid fucking Shikone jewel hunt and like, fuck you. Cause you did that with the fucking spear of destiny and I hated it then. And I'm going to hate this now where it's like, okay, the gotta catch them all in the MacGuffin thing is really fucking annoying enough and it's like what i want is like did you ever see kubo and the two strings no i haven't seen it yet it's on that i think it's i think it's on netflix you should watch it if you have the chance there's to me, i'm bringing it up because it's got the one sister who left the moon and the two sisters who are trying to bring her back and are pursuing her and i mm -hmm. want to see charlie's sisters i want to see lachesis and atropos chasing her i want to see if we are going like why haven't we seen Lachesis and Atropos yet? If this is going to be the main plot line, we literally, they would then- We have seen Lachesis, but only briefly. Briefly. It's like, we don't, and like, here's the thing is, we know yeah. that Lachesis, what she's doing, but we don't, like the narration, like there's no explicit confirmation that, that like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, Maisie keeps saying she enjoyed this season where I'm like, assuming it's gonna pick up because i don't think macy would be blowing smoke up its ass if it was just the brandon and courtney are leaving boohoo show but like i swear to god the next the next fucking what? ask i get that's like oh brandon said that like you know his last scene was like filmed in front of a green screen and blah blah, blah. i'm literally just gonna post the fucking brian david gilbert holding the piece of paper that says the revolving door for characters of color on this show and him lighting like, it on fucking fire because that's this fan dumb at this point I, I don't care i cannot stress this enough i don't care <laughs> like i don't care what his life i i feel bad because it's like he's a nice guy i love ray but at this point the larger issue is that this is driving me fucking insane um and collectively i love all of these characters that are getting snubbed and shat on more than ray like, if it's a scale, yeah. and it's all of the characters that they've shit on and disrespected, and Ray, by virtue of how many non-white characters they've done this to, the scale's gonna be tipped in that favor. Like, Jesus. And if, you, um, and, and, if, and, if you, and if people don't see that as a problem, I'm, I'm sorry to say that you're kind of looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. At this point, you're not, you're not looking hard enough, or you're willfully ignoring it. Um... Anyway, do we want to talk about the Mr. Rogers thing as quickly as we can? I was really about to be like, listen, I know we've been really negative and this is going to be a transition sort of thing, but I do want to talk about the puppets because I had some really interesting thoughts about <laughs> that. Transition puppets. Transition puppets. Um, so here's the thing. We were talking about, I will say, I appreciate that this was a pastiche of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood that wasn't like i think it's very easy for non kid vid shows to disrespect and shit on children's programming 
and do like a an edgy take on it kind of thing even when they're not doing an explicitly like robot chicken style edgy to sort of make fun of it and take it less seriously than it is you know and like this show didn't do that with their mr rogers pastiche and i do genuinely and truly appreciate that i'll give them that so what i was talking about was when we were talking about it before the interesting thing about this is I compared it to another sort of parody of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which was Pee-wee's Playhouse. And the thing about Pee-wee's Playhouse, and I'm allowed to talk about this because Paul Rubens was actually on this fucking show. So I I, 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 get, I get to talk about this. This is my thing. So Pee-wee's Playhouse oh my God. was filmed- every time, every time I remember how they missed Paul Rubens for that fucking doll, I age. No, it was such a waste. He could have been doing so many other things. Um, I'm genuinely sad they didn't ask him back to do Mr. Parker. I know why it was, but like, come on. But okay. So the thing is, is like Pee Wee's Playhouse was filmed seriously. Like in its initial run, it was meant as a dead serious take on children's shows. It was only on its sort of syndication run that it started getting sold to and airing on Adult Swim and being seen as sort of like, this non this like this 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 satirical dark take on mr rogers like adult take on it kind of thing and i find that fascinating because that is all about audience perception it has nothing to do with how the show was initially filmed it was supposed to just be a children's show and i was like i so i always am like okay so how did that happen how did everybody look at the show and go they're clearly taking the piss this can't possibly be serious. They can't possibly be doing this for real. And we have to was air this on show. On, was it on Adult Swim, though, before or after he got arrested? Because that kind of changed the way the public saw him. And that's though- the other thing is I didn't want to bring it, I didn't want to bring it up, but I do think part of that is public perception of it was colored retroactively by Paul Rubens getting arrested for indecent exposure. But it's also like, again, this is back in the oldie days when we had to have pornography things. <laughs> he got i mean he literally got arrested for indecent exposure at a fucking porno movie showing where he was masturbating where i'm like what else are you supposed to be doing in there yeah like i it's so weird where it's like you're just supposed to sit there and not jerk off and like why does anyone go to the porno theater and it's like why do we even have porno theaters because the internet wasn't around i was literally in my head at home and i was like oh my god couldn't I just i don't know maybe he didn't have a vhs vh i will say vhs players used to be insanely fucking expensive like we're talking like 800 dollars comparatively like my english my english teacher in high school who was like a gajillion years old got one as like a college graduation present from her parents and she was like yeah it was like 800 bucks so keeping that in mind I, it may legitimately might not have had a vcr oh my god can you imagine oh jesus christ i hate this okay so with that in mind i do think that admittedly did sort of and it's in it is i i I am fascinated by it because even knowing like it's not anything about the show it is completely about the vibe that people are taking from outside experiences with the with the with the host and with the show and thus leading from it being like a kids program to being like airing on adult swim because of people are just like oh isn't that the guy who got arrested for jerking off in a porno theater and it's like that's wild that's just truly wild but i was also like there is something ominous about the show and it's not in like 
an edgy, like everyone's secretly dead way. But the thing about Mr. Rogers versus Pee Wee's Playhouse is Mr. Rogers has puppet segments, has 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 magic things that come alive. Obviously, you have the whole land of make believe. You have like you have like that element of fantasy. But the whole of Mr. Rogers' house slash neighborhood is not alive. It's there are there are periods, long periods of calm, and it's a very calm and quiet and gentle show. Um, I actually and I was I, I when I was a little kid, I would only watch it at my nana's because my nana only had like like the four channels mm -hmm. so i would watch it that was the only time i ever really watched it because there's so many other things to watch on tv when i was at home but i really liked it but i also didn't know how to sit with something that was like so quiet and calm and gentle but i really did like it i just had adhd um so it was like are you gonna get to do anything here are you gonna what, what the fuck going on um i, just, I, I saw, I I saw peewee's playhouse live when that came around and my cousin knew the person who was producing that. And she's like, oh, you should have told me you were going. She could have taken you backstage to meet Paul. And my dad is like, oh, my. Like, he was so upset. Fear. Oh, God. I remember. Right. You told me that. That's so fucking funny. At some point, we're going to have to bring your Like, I don't know when Paul Rubens is going to do another, like, Heroes and Villains. But I would. I hate those things. But I would go if your dad was going. I don't I, think Paul has never done a heroes and villains. This is a this is a that's like when I told my dad how I met Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic, and I'm like, yes, Dad. What other Weird Al is there? <laughs> Jesus, but like I just I I don't know where he would be, but I would I would love to see your dad interacting with celebrities at a celebrity con. I just I feel like that's an untapped root of comedy potential. <laughs> it's like Eric Andre visits the RNC. <laughs> Coachella sucks this year. This it's year. my dad with a really long mic at Stephen Amell's. Hey, who are you? <laughs> no, my dad actually had the best joke because I was like, my dad had the best joke for a celebrity at Heroes and Villains, which was just, hey, um, where did you park my car? Yes, can I get my parking validated? Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you validate my parking? But like, it is. So going back to Pee-wee's Playhouse versus Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood yes. is, like I said, long periods of calm in Mr. Rogers. It's a very chill show. It's everything's safe. Everything's relaxing. And that was deliberate. Mr. Rogers wanted it to be that way. It's a, it's a, it's a conscious choice. Pee-wee's mm -hmm. Playhouse is manic in comparison. Everything is alive. Everything is talking. Everything is moving. There is so much energy like it is truly a show that never stops to breathe and if you ever because i work with children so i i watch a lot of i mean I, I try to force them to watch like quality stuff but like there's only so much you can fucking do so if you watch kid vid stuff sometimes you will notice no one ever stops talking there are truly so few pauses to breathe in most of these shows and like peewees was well, like you know that squared What's Tim up? told me that apparently in apparently Doom, the video game, is designed to keep you moving no matter what. Yes. So if you are stopped yes. and you're even if you're playing on easy, very weak villains will be able to kill you because you're not moving. Yes. No, that's true. And um, so Doom, they apply that same period to Kidvid. Yes. It is it is yes. Pee Wee's Playhouse. In a lot of ways, Pee Wee's Playhouse Pee -wee's is like Doom. Doom of children's television. Oh, Let God. us explain. Um, Number one. Yes. 
that actually works but that is and that is what it is and like the movie isn't even like that on the same level it's it's have it's, we talked about how we were emotionally scarred by large marge on this podcast i feel like we have but it is legitimately okay hold on i want i want to i'll go back to the peewee thing because i will say i'm 25 years old i'm an adult like i'm an adult adult which disgusts and horrifies me but i am and I, a lot of the things that used to scare me as a kid don't scare me anymore. Like, I used to be fucking terrified of The Wall, like the animated movie, because I saw out of context parts of it as a child in my uncle's room. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And like, so I was terrified of it. Now I'm like, this is one of the greatest movies that was ever made. I still have to do like the boggart shit for large marge like i have to pretend that she has like marge simpson's voice and is like saying funny shit to not have fucking heart palpitations that is legitimately one of the worst fucking things and i watch horror movies like for fun like i i have like three horror related things i'm watching on netflix right now i i, I fucking hate that goddamn Ugh. Tim Burton, Tim Burton as he is now is a hack, but the Tim Burton of like the late 90s to the early That was 2000s, him? Yeah. That was, yeah. He did Beetlejuice. Well, excellent work. Yeah, seriously. Beetlejuice is especially, and, and, and Large Marge as like, he did some amazing things with stop motion and puppetry that he just completely forgot about and then just went and made hot topic movies and it's like fuck you tim he had something there are so many upsetting beautiful but grotesque puppets in beetlejuice like he was good at it he had hit a vein of horror that no one else has really come back to tap properly and maybe someday i'll get to do it but like it's a thing like large marge still i don't i won't look at her i don't even like still images of it it so fucking horrible holy shit hate it um jesus and then i know my dad showed us peewees i think my dad just forgot that was in there because like you know my dad can't remember shit and my mom is like like we had to pause the movie because my sister and i were so upset and my mom is like why would you do this like why would you show them this what's wrong with you if it does like i forgot it was there (laughs) oh my god See, I love this because you had like your dad active. I always forget that like your dad actively showed you like nerdy content. Like, I don't know how the fuck mm-hmm. I ended up with like this. Nobody else in my family is interested in this shit. But I was so neglected as a child that I just developed all this shit on my own. So I, I had to traumatize myself. I had to <laughs> traumatize myself 15 miles uphill both ways. <laughs> no. You like, kids today, okay. you don't know how good you have it. This is why, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Big Day Out, whatever the fuck it was called, is not as manic and unsettling as the show is because there's movement. Like, there's travel. Pee-wee's Playhouse exists in this incredibly claustrophobic space where there's so much clutter. There are so many objects in that tiny fucking set. It is shot like, it's shot like a fucking ransom fucking video. Um, and everything is moving and talking constantly. Everything is breathing. It's, it's, it's alive. It pulsates. And it is in such a tight, enclosed space that you are like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. Holy shit. It is so fucking stressful. Um, which is fascinating. And I actually wish, I'm like, if they had tried to make this a more, I don't want to say grimdark, but if they tried to do something interesting with it, I wish I, like I said to you when we were talking about it at first, I wish they had spent 
almost all of the episode in the Mr. Parker's world. Because you built the sets. Yeah. You made it. You did all the you got all the effort. You spent money on this. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on things we did not use a lot of. And it's a shame because it's like if they had my pitch for how this should have worked would have been that like maybe five minutes into the episode rather than doing this 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 whole fucking kerfuffle with i have to lie to my dad and pretend to be john's girlfriend don't worry about any of that have your have your kid have the two of you start arguing immediately have pippa wish all of you into mr parker's playhouse and then you spend like 90 percent of the ray nora damien and john whatever plot in that world because that would have been a great opportunity for having a more peewee's playhouse kind of vibe where it's like everything is talking and everything is moving and there's just it's a very claustrophobic space and like that would have been a really fun context to utilize that in and utilize anything like goddamn you went to all the trouble it's a really good mock-up of the sets and it's clearly done with like love and attention but it's like we spent five minutes here it's Why? also they they you know what if you're gonna call it Gary the train abomination, that was adorable. I wanted it to be oh, terrible. Yeah. That was that was I mean like that would have been more like if you'd done like a pasted on version of Adam's head like with synchro vox, so it like his mouth was the only thing moving. That would have been one thing, but that actually like wasn't that Thomas unsettling. Tank engine. I thought Gary the train abomination would be a Thomas the Tank Engine kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't um, want to Can you name Thomas a Thomas the Tank, tank engine? reference Thomas, Thomas the Tank, tank Engine meme, please? JJ the jet plane is the most unsettling goddamn thing in terms of like machines with human faces, which is already, I mean, from saying that alone, a horrifying sounding thing. But Thomas the Tank Engine is not as bad as JJ the jet plane, but there is hell in Thomas the Tank Engine because it was written by an Anglican vicar. So there is hell. Trains go to hell in Thomas. And I know that sounds like like the rest of us. Just like the rest of us. But it's like, I know that sounds like something that somebody would say as like a grim dark, like, oh, the Rugrats have all been dead and Angelica's no, no, there's there's real train hell. There's in the books, the train train hell. Um, I don't like Thomas. Train hell. Train hell. Train hell. Train hell. But like it, you know, I just there's so many swings and swing and a miss is like the whole season so far. God damn it. And I know this show can do better. So when it doesn't, I get mad because all of these, all of these things, they have all the pieces that they usually do. They have all the set pieces. They have all the opportunity. They just keep fucking whiffing it because they can't schedule anything right. And they're so intent on making sure that Brandon and Courtney get like the most send offy send off that has ever been sent off in the history of television. And it's like, can I go? Yeah, can we? Hey, you're leaving it. Leaving it. Like that is that is fundamentally. If I could change anything about this fucking season, it would be that everyone scheduled their shit better, but also that we just kind of we just sort of just went okay, goodbye, Brandon and Courtney, and then just that was the end of it. That would have been that would have been nice. Not because I don't like them or respect them, but it's because it's at this point it's hobbling the show from doing anything interesting or good this season and i hate that mm. what do we have? you know what let's try to end let's um do you have any i mean if you have any unless you have anything else you want to add i think ending this episode on a high note would be uh what are we naming our islands oh shit i totally forgot 
literally just i just realized i I was like oh my god i have to name this fucking thing i don't well, think i Mar- do want to say i do want to say though in terms of this season zari tarazi has been like my favorite like she has surged i don't know if i've mentioned this before but she's she surged ahead as my favorite fun. female character on legends like my top I'm one i'm not surprised you already really love zari so i'm like yeah this this tracks um so at least i'm having fun at times but again it's one of those things where i'm like i thought she was gonna have a i thought she was gonna have more plot phil yeah where it's like i actually really love this direction that they're taking charlie and she's sort of becoming my i really love i mean i loved mona with all my heart and then mona left me and I, I love Nora, but I'm tired of the way that Nora is being used this season and how long this fucking send-off is taking and what a mess it is. So that's sort of sour. And that's a shame because, again, I really, really do. I'm not being sarcastic. I love Nora. A lot of what she goes through means everything to me, but I am frustrated by this. So it's sort of poisoned that well. And I love Charlie a lot, but she's been completely fucking maligned by the lack of focus this season has and the lack of scheduling. and. So it's been rough. Um, but I mean, when Charlie's around, she's a delight. And when Nora has her moments telling her dad, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, they're also a delight. So mm-hmm. gotta take the victory if you can get them. And hopefully, uh, well, Bayrod gets- uh, let Bayrod get to do more soon. Um, well, at least uh, Mona's back next week. What am I naming my island? I'm not sure yet. Um... I'm like, Margaritaville is probably not going to fit in the slot, I don't think. If it does, I'm definitely naming my island Margaritaville. I don't know if they'll let me, because Nintendo does have those, like, weird censorship things. If I was going to name my island time, I I would name mine Island Time. If I can fit it, I'm going to name my island Island Time. Um, you can always do Themyscira, but then it's like, then I have to go to the trouble of having, like, all-female villagers, and, like, I don't want to do that. Because there's only like four personality types, so they're gonna start getting kind of boring. Um, so I can't do Themyscira. Um, trying to think of like other islands. Orange, I could just name it Orange Island after the Orange Islands in Pokemon. I might do that. That's actually kind of nice. That's adorable. I would have to get the orange. I would have to get the orange as my fruit though, because then otherwise it's like, well, then I'm just. In, it's Orange Island. There's only apples here. <laughs> Although that would be kind of funny. <laughs> um. So I might I might do Orange Island. I'm saying uh, maybe, we'll see. Um. Yeah. Or anything else? I mean, we really fucking Jesus. I don't know if all of it's gonna make it in the episode. So if it doesn't, um, I want all of you to wonder what the fuck we said. But like, <laughs> God, we really fucking went for the jugular this episode. Jesus. We really did. I'm. I yeah. Not, I'm not that sure it how much gonna keep in, but I'm definitely. Gonna- not that it wasn't weird, but I do think some of it was like a personal vent we were having between friends who yeah. are both fans of the show and watch the show together. Yeah. You know, and not all of it necessarily needs to make it in the episode, but some of it is genuinely important and like on like a yeah. on like a social level. And I think we should be able to talk about and why aren't you standing on my fucking computer, you stupid little bastard? Um okay. but I, I think on that note we should end it. I mean I will say He's been somewhat better. I'm also just, admittedly, I'm not, I'm just, like, not yelling whenever he does annoying shit. Because it's like, if I don't yell at him, then it doesn't fuck up my recording. So, fine. Stand on my fucking computer, then you are. He's such a tiny bastard. Um, But I am am hoping that this season gets better. Um, 
I just, I know we I mean, it's it. certainly I'm, not as bad as like season two was, where season two was not just bad. As season two. bad. And that's the thing is it's, it's not that kind of bad. Like, it's not like cruel and ugly and racist bad. I mean, it's not in the Genghis Khan episode, but like, it's bad in a way where it's like all of the set pieces that make the show good and great even are still there but they're getting hamstrung by other stuff that is so frustrating because it's like all of the pieces to make a good show are still here. You guys just keep tripping on your own dicks and it's driving me fucking crazy. Stop tripping on your own. Like that's always what they end up fucking doing. And it's absolutely. Fundamentally, they usually only do it around the finale. I'm hoping that them doing it now means they won't do it during the finale. I actually was about to say, I'm like, I wonder if now, because we have to do, I wonder if the finale is going to end up being really tight in a way that it never is with Legends, just by virtue of they have to do all of their plot in the last five episodes, so it'll come off much tighter. So that would be really interesting. If that's an unintended consequence of the way that the season has gone down, that would be kind of cool. I guess we shall see, huh? I guess we'll see. Why is, uh, okay, my boss is calling me, so I'm going to go. Okay, so I think that's a good time to end it. Uh, love you. Talk to you later. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.